Hello everyone and welcome to a new podcast of Johnson Insight. Today, I'm pleased to receive David Dame, the global head and vice president of Agility at the Scotia Bank. So first from Cerebral Palsy, he knows how a company can be and offer more inclusive products and services. If you want to learn about the importance of accessibility and adaptation, stay with us. Hello, David, and thanks for joining us today about this podcast about agility and inclusion. Hi, it's great to be here. So could you give us a quick presentation of yourself? Who is David Dame? So David Dame is somebody that went to school as an engineer, was a software developer for a while, but realized he enjoyed the big picture. So then I moved into product management where I got to work with both customers and technologists. So just to let the viewers know, I was born with cerebral palsy and I roll around in a power wheelchair. So to go to university when I did, it was really a rare opportunity because, you know, in 1991, when I went away for university, there was really not a lot of things the world didn't think somebody with a disability could do. And luckily I went to normal school and I had a love for both business and I had a love for computer science. And I was struggling to decide what I wanted to do. And my dad, my family comes from a modest blue collar background. And I remember my dad walking up to me saying, David, being in a wheelchair, you're not gonna be a police officer, fireman or construction worker, but you know what else you're not gonna be? Living under my roof for free the rest of your life. So you better figure out what you wanted to do. So that's why when I went into product management, it was a beautiful balance between customer and business and technology. And um, because I was born with a disability, I always wanted to build products that I could use because even though I have cerebral palsy, my money doesn't have cerebral palsy. So if you wanna earn my money, build products and services that I can use because I'm part of the market segment, how you traditionally defined it is a part of. So you would never exclusively lose out on that opportunity. And then Agile came around. And as a product manager, what you used to hate is you would write this great big business case before you knew anything. And then you would spend two years developing it before you released it. In comes Agile. And now I'm able to be wrong. I get forgiveness built in because I can quickly build something, test it with users, learn from the users and iterate. So I can follow, I can either follow the money or follow the plan. This allows me to follow the money. And I got really good at, at implementing Agile as a change agent because I think I was born to be a natural change agent because I had to see the world differently. I couldn't emulate what you did, Constance, to do things. So I had to learn different ways to do it, which Agile is a different way of working. It's a different way of understanding. So that's how I got to be where I am today. I'm married. Uh, I've been married for 16 years, and I'm currently the, vice the global vice president of Enterprise Agile at Scotiabank. So as you just said, you're working for Scotia Bank right now. So what are your missions and why companies need to be agile? 
our mission at Scotiabank, did, I, I work in uh, Scotia Digital, and we're trying to create digital and products that everybody can use and love, right? Because nobody gets up excited to pay bills or do banking. But if we can give them a means to do it wherever they are, while they're living their life, that is being able to do banking unconsciously. So that's why we want to build for a total customer segment. But we're really passionate about building a user is a user is a user of all abilities. So we actually build our products with accessibility built in. And it really helps when you have a diverse team members with certain disabilities like eyesight or physical disabilities, because people get close proximity to develop that empathy that really builds great products. So our mission is to try to create digital products to make banking accessible to everybody. So do you think you could share with us one of your biggest success? So what I think the biggest success was, we built an app that everybody could fluidly use. And the feedback we got from different people were so positive. But the unique ones for unique abilities, it was, now I can do my banking more effortlessly because your app has made it more easier for me to use whatever my impairment was. Because, you know, most people, including myself, as a person with a disability, we want independence. And if you can independently manage your finances, that's a big part of it, right? If I can manage my bills, if I can pay things, if I can do things like this, it's great. So there's that. And I can't say enough how much I love Apple Pay. And this is why I like Apple Pay. If you and I were going to meet for coffee, Constance, and we could talk and just kind of share ideas and brainstorm. At the end of it, I would have to ask you to go in my knapsack, pull out my wallet, and help me get my money out to pay. You're going to feel awkward going in my knapsack, and I got to really trust you to go into my wallet. How many of the listeners would let a perfect stranger go through their wallet? But now with Apple Pay, I can just tap on the register with my phone. So you might look at it as, wow, that's a simple, easy way to pay for frequent things. But for somebody with a disability, that is truly enabling because now they can go out, have lunch, they can visit the community, they can roll about the town. It gets them that independence that a little thing like getting your wallet and paying it sounds trivial, but it was a big obstacle. So solving for something of convenience for most is really enabling for a few. So do you think that the actual crisis showed the necessity to adapt companies to any jolt? Well, I think Agile really helps them test and learn quicker, right? Because not every disability is the same. So the more frequent we can get stuff out and get user feedback, I think that's the power of Agile. I think... I think when we first looked at Agile back when it first came out, we were focused on just delivering quickly. But now I'm afraid sometimes we might overemphasis on delivering quickly instead of learning quickly. And the difference between the two, the team can race out and get it out to a user. 
But if you're not using that reverse loop to learn from the user and implement what you learn, Agile is only a delivery method, but if you can incorporate the learning with it, now Agile is a learning method. And I think Agile helps organizations learn faster. And in this new knowledge work economy, whatever company learns the quickest is going to win. So you, we are talking a lot about inclusivity, but have you ever yourself faced difficulty to find a job or to feel included in your team? Definitely. I remember um, right when I first graduated, and this was 1995 or 1996, I graduated with the degree. I was all excited to take on the world. I applied everywhere. And uh, there's some places where I got an interview that I couldn't physically go in the building. And remember, this is 1995. So the rights just came out for disabled people to be able to go to school. So there's a lagging effect that businesses weren't ready. And even those that I did get in the building for, um, I could tell by the interviewer that they've never been exposed to somebody like me with a disability. And you can feel that awkwardness, right? You just feel that. So I was left if I didn't get the job wondering Is it because I didn't have the qualifications or experience, which is fair. If I don't get the job because I don't have that, I don't want it. Or was it they can't imagine me working in their environment? So that was a hard seven months. And then I remember when I got my first job, it was to be a logistics coordinator for the training program for an automotive company. And I was super excited. I got my first job could go in the building and you know when they bring you around to meet everybody and I thought this was great I finally landed until I decided until I tried to go to the bathroom and when I went into the bathroom my wheelchair couldn't fit so think about I was sitting there it took me seven months to find my first job Now, do I ask for the bathroom modification? It was today. I would never think twice about it. But back then, I'm like, if I ask for it, they may never, they may change their mind or let me go. So I had to hold it every day for eight hours. So imagine going through your whole day, very scarcely drinking water. So that way it would reduce your need to go to the washroom. And then what made it worse was, It was a very, um, it was like a paper job, a lot of papers and folders. And if you look at my hands with cerebral palsy, it wasn't meant for a lot of paper manipulation. So it was taking me 12 hours to do what my peers could do in eight hours. So that was 12 hours of not going to the bathroom. Now you could see that as a struggle or strain, but what it prompted me to do was on the weekends, the internet just came out and technology was a thing. I built a website where people could register for their own courses and the venues where we hosted them, they could sign up to offer to host them and I didn't have to do anything. So what was taking my peers, me 12 hours, I could get done in three and my peers were still taking eight hours. So that was my first introduction of seeing how cognitive diversity, 
because it was a problem for me first. I'm sure they would have eventually figured it out, but my diverse perspective had to solve a problem for me. And then it made everything better for everyone else because they could leverage the system and they were getting their work done in a third of the time as well. And if they didn't have my unique perspective of having to solve that, they wouldn't have got that as early. And I think that's what started my career as a change agent. So as you are yourself um, disabled, what advices could you give to other uh, business and companies so they could hire more disabled people? That's a great question, Constance. What I would say to them is, so there's the standards, right? We live in a law now where there's accessibility standards and they think if they just meet the standards, that's it, their responsibility is over. But every disability is unique and every person with a disability is gonna need unique environmental things physically to be able to go in the office. But where a lot of leaders miss out, at least with me, when they hire me, they get me on the team and they, and they schedule a team building event. And sometimes they don't see if it's an event that I can participate in, whether the venue is accessible or anything like that. So I've been where we went for team dinners and we have high tables in Canada. That's the new thing for the young people, right? very high tables. And yeah. when I'm in a wheelchair, I can't sit with them. So I have to sit off on another table. So even though I'm on the team, I didn't feel like I was with the team. And so I think leaders need to think of inclusive team building events and just talk to the person with the disability and say, what are the things are you able to do? What are you interested in? And then make sure when they're creating the team building events that they try to make it inclusive for everybody. Because that way we can socialize and play as colleagues and become friends. And I'm not just watching from the sidelines going, wow, I wish I could participate in that. So yourself, I've been developing some design that will be inclusive. What advices could you give to uh, companies that are not already inclusive? How can they design something inclusive? Yeah, inclusive design is, I think is critical now as more people with disabilities like me are entering the workforce. Now we have disposable income. Now we're a customer, we're part of we're a bigger part of your market segment than we ever have been before. So if you wanna really try to make your, your product acquisition numbers and revenue numbers and targets, you gotta build the product inclusively to be able to hit your customers a market share. And one piece of advice I can't say enough, just don't be satisfied with making it possible. Make sure the user experience for a person with disability is as enriching as it is for a person without a disability. Because I remember I, I was using a product and I couldn't, I, I couldn't figure it out. So I called the help desk and it was, I could do it, but it was, it was very frustrating to do. And I said, well, I go, here's some user feedback, you need to make this interaction smoother. And they said, 
well, at least we made it accessible so it's possible. Now, would they tell a user without a disability that was having a terrible user experience, hey, at least you can do it, right? So they have to just consider there's a difference from simply just making it accessible to making it a great user experience regardless of abilities. Because I'm going to complain like any other user that has trouble using their system. And if there is more disabled people, that becomes a louder share of the market. So you also think like me that companies need some disabled people in their team for creative or design or development? I think it definitely helps build empathy, right? Um, I remember early on in my career as an engineer and I would go, hey, what about the accessibility requirements? And oh, they would say, oh, we'll do it in version two. It's not important enough. And I'm sitting right in front of them in my wheelchair and I'm like, you're actually saying this to my face? So I think when they get to see somebody with a disability and they get to see firsthand their struggles, it really helps build empathy. So not only do you get that insight of somebody with a unique ability, whether it's a seeing impairment, hearing impairment, physical or even mental cognition, uh, being able to see and work with them develops that empathy to make sure that gets built in the product. Because I, I don't like to, I don't favor diversity as an equality thing or as a humanitarian thing. I see it as a competitive advantage. Cognitive diversity helps us build complex products for an ever-changing world. So the only way to, to really build for complexity is to have a diverse group of multiple experiences that can really beat up an idea really good before it even gets out to market. And I think that's the only way we're going to compete globally is to build by people globally. Just to know by Scotia Bank or wherever you've been working before, were you the only one disabled people? Uh, actually, at the bank, there is a, a series of disabled people, not so much at the vice president level. I've been, I've been looking, right? But to your point, every other company I worked at, by and large, I have been the only disabled person with an odd one other person here or there. So you almost feel like a, a unicorn in a way. So sometimes you always feel that you don't fit in. So and sometimes when you're trying to fit in, and I'm as guilty with this as well, you almost try to hide your disability or you try to, you almost trade in your diversity for acceptance and inclusion. And it isn't now that I've gotten older that I know it's important for me to keep my diverse perspective and, and be transparent about my disability and struggles. Because up until I joined the bank, I never used to, right? I'd always talk about innovation, agile, and product. And at my current place, I met with the lady that leads accessibility, and she is phenomenal. She's taught me more about accessibility than I even knew. And she goes, Dave, I notice you never talk about inclusion and accessibility. And I'm always like, no, I've always wanted to be Dave, the product expert, Dave, the agile expert, Dave, the leadership expert, not that in a wheelchair. But, you know, she realized, she helped me realize that I was fortunate 
to have the parents I had. And, you know, my voice could go a long way to help others that are going to follow me. And if it wasn't for her, I don't think I would have spent the last couple years being the inclusive champion that I've been trying to be in the product arena, in the agile arena, and definitely in the leadership arena. So you, you've been talking about um, the, the fact that you've been uh, like a unicorn in the, in the companies you've been working. So do you think like uh, to get more inclusive and accessible, you, for example, as you make workshop or um, I don't know, design thinking maybe, do you include like your um, the people that are buying your your uh, app and taking part? Do the people take part? For example, women or uh, disabled people, is it important that they take part? Yes, it's definitely an important thing to really... Um... Because sometimes there could be layers of diversity, right? There could be a woman with a disability, uh, uh, LGBTQ woman with a disability, or LGBTQ black woman with a disability, right? There could be many different uh, uh, flavors, if you will. So I think it's important to reach out to your user base. You likely have users with special needs now maybe shoot out a survey when you're doing some customer feedback and go, hey, do you mind us asking if you have, uh, you know, to really get those demographics out, right? And if they're willing to share, that's great. And then when you get that feedback, ask them, hey, would you be willing to be part of our review process as we're designing, sketching these things to make sure you're represented? Right. And I, I think we need to do more of that because we usually used to think of just simple market segments. Right. We want male and females ages 20 to 35 that work in tech. I think we got to go one layer deeper and really instead of melting everybody in one lump group, really understand the uniqueness and build for that uniqueness, because if we build for those unique endpoints, we're actually covering everything in the middle. So I think where before we tried to find where the biggest density was and target that, I think now we need to understand the, the diversity of people using our product and try to connect all those endpoints. And then through that way, you get total coverage from the outside in instead of the inside out. As you're living in Canada, and I am currently a French people, I was wondering, do you see any differences between French brand and Canadian brand uh, about inclusivity and accessibility? I've never been to, I think, are you in Europe, right? You're somewhere yeah. in Europe. I imagine with our time zone differences, at least in Canada, and I know you guys probably don't consider them true French, But we live very close to Quebec. So we do have in Canada, the English French one. I would definitely think it would be different, right? Uh, a French culture will be different than an English culture, right? So I can't name those uniquenesses now, but I'd rather play it safe and try to do some observations between the two before I make the conclusion that there is or is not differences, right? And I think we got to let our curiosity 
play a bigger part instead of hurrying up for the solution. I think we got to be comfortable and uncomfortable of the curiosity to understand the range and magnitude of our of our customer base and user base. So um, to conclude, do you have any, uh, for example, podcast, video, or a writer that you like and that could be inspiring other people about inclusivity? Psychological safety and really reading a lot into that because to, to what we said earlier in the podcast, it's not enough to hire for diversity. We got to make sure that diversity feels they belong in their uniqueness and not become like a group think. So I've been reading things on psychological safety. I've been reading, um, I'd have to look at my Kindle list. I've been reading this one book called uh, Inclusivity for All, and I can't remember the author. But I don't know if it's a good or great book because I just started reading on inclusiveness to really get some kind of perspective of how other people think about it. Because I know how it's impacted me, but we know it's impacted so many other areas and even to an extreme, right? Because I think there's the extreme racism that unfortunately we've seen on world events, but then there's the silent. I call exclusion the silent racism, right? Of, of purposely not making the organization inclusive or understanding for all. And I think where the one is more transparent, it's terrible and awful. This is also terrible and awful because it almost happens invisibly until it is finally raised as a problem. So I would recommend the users to uh, look for any kind of inclusion material out there and uh, just become an expert, right? And try to learn about other diversities. Be curious, be... And I know I was telling this story recently. A lot of times we try to hire as hiring managers, people that go through the same background of, you know, graduating university, have experience in the specific field, and they need to have all those kind of qualifications before you hire them. I think right now you got to look for the capability you need and be open to look at a variety of things. An example I've been sharing lately is the one time in my career I was hiring for an information architect. And, you know, the recruiters always bring you two piles of resumes, the ones they filter that they think you'll like and the ones that, you know, they don't think meet the criteria. I actually picked up the resume that didn't meet the criteria. And there was this lady So for the audience, information architecture is somebody that can place content in very discrete pieces of a digital app. So when I found this lady, she worked for Hallmark greeting cards. And if you think of a greeting card, they got to put such beautiful, powerful wording in a very small space of the card. So I said, I want to interview her. And when I went to the recruiting one, I said, can we bring her in? They're like, Dave, she doesn't have a university degree. She's not in the tech field. Why would you hire her? I'm like, I think that's a leverageable capability. And I interviewed her and she didn't go to school because she was a single mom. 
she had to raise a kid. So she went to community college at night and really kind of finished her diploma. But I hired her and I checked in uh, about eight months ago and she's killing it there. I've left the company, but she's doing awesome. She's leading a group or team now. So I think you have to expand your, as a leader, I think we need to expand our, our vision on candidates to be open to bring them in from different spots. Because I think that's another layer of diversity if we don't try to hire them from our mainstream pool of, of designers, developers. Look outside in those unique ponds and unique services and get those people. And then to conclude, how can people get inspired by your work? If they want to get inspired by my work, I have a TED Talk called Sprinting with Cerebral Palsy. So you can Google search on that. And it's my TED Talk I delivered, which was great. It was uh, something I was really vulnerable on. They can add me on LinkedIn, as you have, uh, David Dame. And uh, please follow me on Twitter at, at @ddame. And uh, let's keep in touch. If you have any questions or there's a way I can learn from you, please feel free to reach out because I think we all need to learn together. And I think we should all be kind of awkward as we're moving to this more inclusive, diverse world both world organization and product. Thank you so much, David, for your explanation. This was really a pleasure to have you by my side today. My pleasure. Thank you for your patience and trying to coordinate a time that works for us. Thank you, David. I hope we see you soon for another podcast or maybe a written article. That will be really nice. That would be great. That reminds me, I have articles on Medium as well. And, uh, I think D-Dame is my Medium. I don't know. I can't, it's hard to remember all your platforms, but I've written on product, inclusivity, and how do you, me how do you measure uh, inclusive customer experience? So if you want to read more, feel free to read there. Thank you. We will share that. No trouble. See you, David. See you soon. Thanks for staying with us and for listening to this podcast. Thanks again to David. I hope his advices and his story inspired you and you will be able to understand the importance of inclusivity in teams and in design. I can't wait to share with you new inspiration and stories. I will see you soon in Johnson Inside.